friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. I'm Muck Bill Yabaro in for Sonny Young. I've had a great two weeks with you all. Sonny will be back on Monday. On today's show, we'll have English Premier League chat about two big games between Arsenal and West Ham, as well as Brighton versus Tottenham. We'll also have a sunny side of sports highlight for 2023 in an interview I did with NBA Africa Academy star and now Washington Cougar Ruben Chinyelu. All of that and more on the December 29th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Starting off the show with all things football, my VOA colleague Kali Abdu spoke to me about the last football matches of Match Day 19, as well as some AFCON highlights. Welcome to the Sunny Side of Sports, Kali, and thanks for being on the show with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as per usual, we're going to get back to uh, EPL chat and we'll do some AFCON look aheads in a bit. If we're talking about uh, EPL Max Day 19, uh, let's get into the games from yesterday. We had uh, West Ham uh, beating Arsenal 2-0 and Tottenham versus Brighton where Brighton was able to beat the Tottenham Hotspurs 4-2. So whichever game you want to start with, I'm game. But why don't we start with Brighton? The the, the, the bright the brighter note. Yeah, brighter note. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So Brighton versus Tottenham, uh, two clubs that have uh, played uh, relatively well uh, this season. If I'm looking at the standings, Tottenham is in fifth at the moment with uh, 36 points. Brighton is at 30. Uh, they had a better start to their season. Um, I believe they were at, uh, competing with Villa at that third, fourth spot for a bit uh, and kind of are trying to build their way back up. But uh, what a win for them um, to showcase that they, they are a team uh, not to be messed with. Uh, what were your uh, biggest takeaways from the 4-2 win um, over Tottenham? Yeah, so uh, absolutely, you know, uh, to your point, Brighton were – they started the season very well. They were doing really well, higher up in the league. But then the Europa League campaign took a toll on them. They did finish their Europa League uh, round of 16 by topping their group. So they did amazingly well there. But then, of course, their league form suffered a little bit. They lost a couple of games. But here they came. And, man, if I tell you, they started this game emphatically. They were all over Tottenham. and. This this boy, Ja Pedro, man, he continues to impress me. He's so skillful as a striker. He reminds me of the, the OG Ronaldo, you know. He he's mazy, running fast at you as a defender. You think you got him, but then you don't. He's gone. So he, he created like this amazing chance for the first goal, dribbled through like three, four Tottenham players and created a chance for Inshawood to score, a young player. And he himself scored two penalties and then Estupian, Estupinen, I believe his name, with a banger of a goal, and it was, it was, uh, it was, th- it was three nil up, I believe, and then four nil up, and then Tottenham came back, you know, with some two goals. And by the way, you know, Brighton hit the post twice, so it could have been Milner, I think, hit the post <laughs> once. It could have been six nil up before Spurs. You know, I guess you could say Spurs found their rhythm, but I, I think it's more. So Brighton rested a couple of players. 
you know, they took their feet off the gas and then Spurs found some openings and scored two and it looked a little more competitive than it actually was. So, but Spurs also hit the post twice. Yeah, no, um, just looking at the stats, it, it seemed like it was relatively even in shots. It, it wasn't like one team was, was taking it away, but it just seems to me like Brighton was just more efficient with their opportunities. Um, you know, the one key difference is that I see that Brighton was just playing a more physical game. They had 18 fouls called on them uh, as opposed to six fouls on uh, on Tottenham. And when you're down... 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, because that first goal uh, was by Hinshelwood in the 11th. And then you mentioned uh, Joe Pedro scoring two PKs and uh, Estupinan uh, scoring in the 63rd. It's 4-0. The game's over pretty much is what they're thinking. Uh, so they go ahead and sub some of their guys out, and then Tottenham gets back into it a little bit to make it look more competitive than it is. You're right. If the game was like, you know, at any given point, draw 1-1 or 2-2 or something, uh, the game was closer. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case for Tottenham. Um, what, what do you think uh, Tottenham could take from this? I mean, you know, Spurs, I guess, you know, as the memes go. Because, you see, Spurs were top of the table at some point this season, and they looked scary. I remember when we were all, those of us who are not great supporters of Spurs, put it that way, were worrying if Spurs would run away with it because they looked very unbeatable. And then the wheels kind of came off. One or two injuries to their back line, Romero getting injured, I mean suspended, and then they really collapsed. They lost, I think, three or, or so games on the bounce. And they, they lost their footing now. When I look at it, I see that they're very far from the top. Uh, from from where Liverpool are and where mm-hmm. Arsenal are at the moment, you know mm-hmm. they're maybe four or six points behind. And you know, if you're going for top four, you have to aim for the title, aim for one and two. Because if you just keep thinking about top four, it could get a little slippery, you know. Because when you think about it, there's teams like West Ham, Man U, you know, even Brighton, Newcastle, Chelsea that are going to be fighting for that top four spot all season long. So, you know, Tottenham needs to wake up because uh, I think that the other teams behind them are, are growing in strength. West Ham, you know, which we'll talk about. And even right. United, you know, kind of finding their footing. So I think what they can take away from the game is that uh, in the Premier League, you, you, can't, you can't fall asleep. Uh, I would I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I think that's a perfect segue uh, going into West Ham. West Ham being in the sixth position right now of the EPL with 33 points, coming off a huge win against Arsenal, 2-0 at the Emirates, which is the home stadium of Arsenal. This is a London derby, um, so these games usually are, you know, very, very competitive. What do you think happened to Arsenal? Let's just put it to you this way. This was David Moyes' first ever away win against Arsenal in all competitions. <laughs> Huge. So this is his 23rd attempt. He, he lost 18 before and drew four. This is his first win. Mm-hmm. So that's very huge. That tells you how much of a fortress Ars, uh, Arsenal, the Arsenal Stadium has been. So I, I would say Arsenal dominated, you know, touches and, and possession and all of these things. But at those crucial moments, you know, they just let two goals, goals in, you know, very avoidable. If anything, the game could have ended a draw if they couldn't score, right? 
Arsenal's problems were that they just could not finish. Whereas right. West Ham found two little openings, two, two windows open, and West Ham banged them in. So, yeah, I think that, you know, like I keep saying, if you think about it like in, uh, in terms of U.S. sports, like when you have like a multiple game series, like in the NBA or so, where you play, you know, best of seven or so. Now, if you play the best of three, more than likely Arsenal will win the next two and they come out the series, right? But in this one-off game where you really needed to, to, to hang in there, you're going for the title. If you're not going to win, do not lose. Arsenal right. Loss. Right. I think sometimes Arsenal, what they do is they 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 play it. It's it's a bad bad trade. I think they play up to competition, right? So when it's the bigger bigger clubs, you know, going to Anfield and making sure that you don't lose in Anfield is huge. But then you come back and lose at home to West Ham. These are the type of inexcusable, uh, um, you know, losses. Yeah. So I mean, Ooh. even 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 goal goalkeeper play. To be honest with you, Ray has not really been showing uh too much um you know that that's the pk though (laughs) yeah he did he did he did save the pk but the game's already gone i mean i think to me it's like there were two huge opportunities where it seemed like the second goal was pretty much that it was a very difficult header to stop but i think the first one he was just he was so out of position and so were the defenders to riot to riot's credit that pk save it's worth its weight in gold because when I look at the stats, your goal difference with you know uh, with Liverpool is not that far. So, yeah. You know, these 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 little goals. Yeah. You know, they matter. Those stats matter. Yeah. At some point. So. Right. That's fair. That's 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 a that's a fair takeaway. That's a fair takeaway. We're moving over to to Afcon. Um, I believe the roster for uh, Morocco, South Africa, Ivory Coast are in. Um, you know, it's always a uh, social media uh, chatter about <clears throat> having. Uh, you know, I believe some of the Moroccan uh, fans were, were were talking about certain players that were not, I guess, invited or were left off of the teams. What are you, what are your thoughts on on that? I mean, no no fan likes it, but listen, hey, it's not just Afcon. You have the Asian Cup, you know, and uh, unfortunately uh, for them, when it's time for the Euros, the the league season is over. But you know, the uh, the Afcon games and the Asian Cup games can be rescheduled to you know to fit the the league schedule. Uh, or to complement the league schedule, I should say. So they just have to get on with it, you know. At the end of the day, this is why you have a huge squad. You ha- you're supposed to have two players per position. And, uh, you know, the other players who don't get a chance to play every game now have a chance, you know, at least for a whole month to play uh, uh, to play games and uh, hopefully make a name for themselves. So... Uh, I just think that it's it's par for the course. This is what happens in the sport, and fans uh, need to just get on with it. That was my VOA colleague, Kali Abdu, talking football with me. Now turning to tennis, the 2024 United Cup team tournament is played this weekend in Perth and Sydney, Australia. The United States is the defending champion and will start its title defense in Perth with Australia and Britain in their group. The USA will be represented by Jessica Pegula and Taylor Fritz, who are both on the winning team in 2023. The Americans will open against Britain on Sunday, New Year's Eve, 
Fritz comments on the USA entering the competition as the defending champion. I mean, like, like I said, it's, it's the format last year is just better for Team USA overall. But we're still, you know, we're still here to to win it, and I we still have a really, uh, still a really strong team. I just think we're going to see a lot more matches kind of come down to the uh, the mixed doubles, and that's something that not a lot of the players, I guess, have a lot of experience in. So it's it's uh, you know the pressure is going to show in those moments, and it's going to make for some really exciting uh, matches. I think you know we're we're ready to go for sure. Jessica Pigula talks about her goals for 2024. Just starting the year off right, um, trying to have, you know, a good positive mentality, knowing, you know, I've had some great last couple years and it's going to be even tougher now to keep that going. But just playing one match at a time, I think, has worked really well for me. And, um, you know, last year I had a lot of really big wins, uh, big tournament wins, too. So hopefully I can just carry that experience throughout the year. Pigula also comments on what she needs to do to stay near the top in women's tennis. I've had many chances. Um, I feel like I've improved every single year as far as going deeper. You know, last year I won, beat a lot of top five players in big events. Um, you know, won a big tournament within a 1,000 in Montreal. So I can't really ask for too much more, maybe just to go deeper in slams. But again, I'm right there every time. So it's hard to really nitpick on what I need to do better. That's American tennis player Jessica Pecula at stake in the United Cup tournament is $15 million in price money. The competition is a warm-up event for Australian Open, the year's first major, which begins January 14th in Melbourne. Swinging it over to basketball, on the sunny side of sports highlight for 2023, I interviewed Ruben Chinyelu. He's a 19-year-old NBA Academy African star and BAL Elevate player who now plays for Washington State University here in the U.S. Let's take a listen. So if, if we could just talk a little about uh, how's your experience been with the NBA Africa Academy um, and what can you say about the introduction for the BAL Elevate as you are a two-time uh, BAL Elevate player? Um, NBA Academy, um, it's a really great program. It helps, you know, it's helped develop players, you know, like starting from um, the foundation because, you know, in Africa here we have um, so many talented players all over the um, continent, but well, being able to get that um, good structure, good foundation on how to establish, you know, being a, a, a basketball player, especially if you are aspiring to be in the big league like NBA. So um, NBA Academy here sets the has set us with a good foundation. You know, the titles, things that we need to know and how to how we need to what we need to do and um, you know when we ought to do it, like. Um, you know, like different, like me, for example, from me, from Nigeria, I played in Nigeria, but I never played using like a play, like a set play. So I just, we just go and we play. But when I came into the academy, it was different because now everybody has their own role, um, role, what to do. So you have this person, okay, he, he does this, this guy does this. So everybody knows that around, they know what to do. And now you have plays, so you, you adopt, we, because it's mostly... The basic um, information is mostly what you see in every program you go to because it's basketball, it's the same language. So being able to get all this information, it helps us keep us ready for um, what comes ahead. Um, like um, playing in the BAL, it has been amazing. You know, playing the second season and then the third season, it has really been a good, it's a good thing. And I'm, I'm really happy and opportune you know, to be able to be in that, have that opportunity and be able to play in, um, in BAL. 
and it's really good because um the way we've been taught here in the academy prepared us because now you're going to play with other pro like pros team who like you don't know them some don't even speak uh, english so they speak right. french like um last year i played uh, with ferrovia redebera mm-hmm. who they speak portuguese so but because um so you see I don't, I don't speak portuguese i speak english so because of the um you know what i've been taught in the academy the knowledge i know about basketball so it's the same thing so i just go there when the coach is talking or saying i already know what he's saying because the most threatening you do this you do that okay i already know it but probably it might be even said in another language like um, in terms of um, language differences in my season and but seeing it already okay i know that i've done this so uh, yeah i could do it so it's yeah it helps keep us ready and um being able to you know what know what to do when you're on the road like um your recovery getting your rest you know how to stay hydrated and things like that it has really helped all the other players in this um in the play performing the beer so to set up a good structure for us which is really good because it makes us you know know what we, we we need to do and you know keeps us accountable to whatever we have to do and what we have to do to me personally what i've noticed is your team uh had a very young core right you have you you have Alio Diara you have uh Suleiman Berte they're both like i believe 21 and 22 as well uh talk to me about what advantages a younger team possesses over some of the older teams we have some of the guys that are in their 30s um even i believe some players were in their 40s in this league so younger guys what do you feel like there's the advantage that um you guys had going into it yeah the advantages that take we have is like we run like you know we young we can run you know we can pick up the space you know we can move on defense you know so it's something that helps us because uh, you know once you have young um when once you have like young players with you that could run that could play defense you know, that could bring in the energy on the court it helps set another tone for the team because now you know when he's on the court he gonna do everything he got to do to make sure that um he you know that the team gets the win so like being able to play with young players it's really efficient because it helps all like you know help us in our fast break you know playing good defense getting stops and now uh, fast break splashing out running down coast to um coast to coast you know that was really good because we young everybody can run and everybody can move so we it's not like we dragging while we playing so it was really good for us you know but we young everybody could run yeah no i i would agree i would say from the perspective of a fan perspective um everybody really liked the youthful aspect of stad mali and uh you guys came out of nowhere and and played an amazing season uh just to switch gears a little bit um you recently signed with washington state uh talk to me about what that process was like um and washington state for those who don't know is a ncaa division 1 team uh and you were heavily recruited from you know the Florida Gators to I believe Tennessee as well as uh, University of Memphis you know Penny Hardaway is my favorite one of my favorite players all time you know so so uh, yes, you know I you know I, unfortunately you didn't go with them but tell me what uh made you pick Washington State the reason I picked Washington State was like um it was um quite diverse school like you know you have different people from different part of the um world you know so being able to go there you know see new people learn new things learn new culture and um, be able to make new friends and um, the most thing that stand out for me was like the way they play i like the way uh, i like the way they play that you know 
the way they play and execute. So I, I see myself fit into their program, and I, I think it was somewhere I, I, I need to be because I might feel like I need to be there because I like everything about there. And um, they had a good, uh, amazing coaching staff, and um, keep putting it. Everywhere. All the school I visited were really amazing. Their coaching staff were amazing, you know. But at the end of the day, you just have to pick up one school and go to one school. But my heart went for Washington State, and um, I know that's the place for me. That's why I picked Washington State. Honestly speaking, you have to go with what works for you, man. So I'm, I'm glad you found Washington State. I know we are all going to be excited to see you play there. Um, as for some of your goals, your future goals for basketball in your basketball journey, uh, what, what are some of those goals? Uh, my goal is to make it to the league. And, um, and um, the biggest of all is to be able to call, bring a big change in Africa in terms of um, create, creating a tournament which will be host um, in the continent Africa, like um, during summertime, just like AAU. Mm-hmm. Then um, you have players from different parts of the continent coming in to, um, to play like teams, bringing in players to play. So that way, um, scouts will be able to come see, watch them play, and hopefully to be able to be televised. And um, you know, people will be seeing and um, seeing the talent here in Africa because um, I believe there's a lot of Afri- um, talent in Africa, but because of this lack of infra- infrastructure, and, um, no opportunities. So a lot of people get to, you know, don't get that opportunity. So I think something like that, we bring a big change because um, there's a lot of smart kids in this um, in Africa, not just only play like um, sports-wise, like this, they are smart. So I think they could use the opportunity to also get, um, you know, go to school while playing basketball. So, you know, just trying to create uh, options for kids here from Africa because I know that um, Africa got a lot of talent and um, it needs to be out there in the world to, for everyone to see. So um, that's my goal. Hopefully someday I'll be able to do that. That was Ruben Chinielo speaking to me from Nigeria. Lastly, let's get to the African sports wrap-up from Samson O'Malley. Sporty Friday greeting, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Mark Bill. We begin the wrap of Africa Sport Highlight with some cricket news. South Africa shredded through the Indian Bafan lineup to claim victory by an earnings and 32 runs in the first test on Thursday, securing the win inside three days and ensuring their proud home record against the tourists remains intact. The home attack dismissed India for 131 in their second earnings after South Africa had earlier scored 408 for a 163 run first earnings lead at Centurion. Only Virat Kohli provided any resistance in an alarming collapse as Doubleton Nandre Borga took four wickets, Marco Jensen three, and Kagiso Rabada two. Dean Olga led the Proteus to victory. Contributing, adding big scores to this team is something that I've always wanted to do. It's never really worked out as planned sometimes. This one worked out for us, got us in a really good position. Allowed our bowlers to get 20 wickets. Massive effort. I think you just got to keep things nice and simple. Batting in test cricket, I think you just got to simplify everything. Uh, the game's already pretty difficult. Um, it's pretty complex when, when you really want to complicate things. Um, I think it was just more of that. Focus on the ball, play nice and straight, play late and be great. I guess it's one of those concepts. doesn't always work out. Uh, a wicket like that, you always got one with your... With your name on it, and uh, you got to ride the wave when it's when it's in your favour. The second and final test starts on the third of January at Newlands in Cape Town.
In basketball news, the National Basketball Association has appointed Rwanda's Claire Akamanzi as the Chief Executive Officer of MBA Africa. Akamanzi, a former cabinet member, will assume office on January 23rd, 2024 and will be reporting to the MBA Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer Mark Tertum. In this role, she will oversee MBA's business and basketball development efforts in Africa and will be responsible for continuing to grow the popularity of the sport, the MBA, and the Basketball Africa League across the continent, including through grassroots basketball development, media distribution, corporate partnerships, and social responsibility initiatives that improve the livelihoods of African youth and families. And now to East Africa, where Kenyan national men's handball team kicked off their non-residential training at the Nyango Stadium ahead of the upcoming Africa Cup of Nations slated for the 15th to the 19th of January in Egypt. The Kenyan men's national team is expected to leave the country on January 15th. Brian Matthew, coach of the Kenyan handball team, is expected to whistle down the provisional squad of 25 players to 18. We've done a lot of tests, running tests, physical tests and a little bit of uh, ball work in the finish. When it comes to selection of a team, it's going to be 110% fair because it's not a one-man selection team. It's a unit that is done uh, by uh, different coaches and a lot of things will be looked at. Charles Omondi is the technical director of the Kenya Handball Association. We are shaping up. I want to believe that the support that we've been getting of late has really, really pushed us up. It has really, really impacted positively on our, on our players. And the mindset is good. I want to believe that the results these times are going to be different. In swimming news, Angola will be the organizer of the 16th Absolute African Swimming and Open Water Championships to be held from the 30th of April to the 4th of May 2024 at the Alvade Swimming Pool and on Musolo Island in Luanda Province. The decision for Angola to host this edition came out of a meeting of the Association of African Sports Confederations on the eve of the World Championships held in Fukuoka, Japan in July this year. Each competitor's point and showing will count towards direct qualification for the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. In athletics, Uganda Athletics Federation Vice President Technical Coach Benjamin Injia has said that the Federation will do more in sensitizing athletes on doping to protect athletes from taking banned substances. Coach Injia comments is coming on the heels of the ban by the Athletics Integrity Unit on two national female athletes. Janet Chimuto was banned for four years while her counterpart Priska Chisang was suspended for nine months pending further investigation after testing positive for banned substances. There was a lot of laxity from us that the athletes didn't know that what type of medicine they should use. Uh, maybe just for even cough, there are some other medicine that are not allowed for the athletes to use. So as now as Uganda Athletic Federation, we are having a lot of seminars. As I've told you, there are a lot of programs going on to sensitize the athletes. He confirmed that the Uganda Athletics Federation is considering hiring lawyers to appeal the AIU ban on the two female athletes. To ensure that we, 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 we pursue this case so that we get justice because we saw it was mostly out of the ignorance of our athletes. Uh, but uh, as the World Athletics took their decision to give to, to give Janat the four-year ban, uh, we were trying to chase and see if it was really 
the procedures were clearly followed. And now to football, where Barcelona striker and record six-time CAF Africa Women's Player of the Year, Asisa Oshola, was treated to a grand reception in celebration of her rare feat in Lagos. Oshola, who was crowned CAF Africa Women Player of the Year, says she is determined to encourage young Nigerian girls to take to professional football. I remember that when I was younger, I didn't have opportunity to play so many competitions. I didn't have support from like the older players and all of that. I didn't even know um, um, women's team actually do existed back then. I'm going to be honest. I just try to create more awareness, just support and empower this younger generation because I know there are a lot of talent. During my time, I had friends who could play soccer, but they just didn't have more opportunities, you know. So I just want to create more opportunities for this younger generation. And now to the Premier Football Cup competition on the continent, the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations with barely 16 days to the start of the African Cup of Nations. Participating countries are already naming their final squad with few surprises. Africa Cup of Nations host Ivory Coast included a smattering of overseas stars in their 27-man squad. The Ivory Coast French manager Jean-Louis Gazard has called up Borussia Dortmund striker Sebastian Haller, Monaco defender Wilfred Singo and midfielders Ibrahim Sangari of Premier League side Nottingham Forest, Siko Fofana of Al Nasser, and Frank Casile of Al Alhali. But missing from Gazat list are Galatasaray forward Wilfred Zaha and Bekshistash defender Eric Bailey. <laughs> And thank you so much for that wrap up, Samson O'Malley. And that is a wrap for the December 29th edition of the show. Hope you all have a great weekend and a very, very happy 2024. I'm Muck Bill Yabro in Washington, in for Sonny Young. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it. 